As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the latest edition of Until Saturday, coming live to you from Sunday morning, uh, Eastern Time. I'm in Pete Sampson's beautiful home uh, <laughs> in South Bend, Indiana, because press boxes have uh, decided to close a lot earlier than they used to when uh, Dave Ubbin, my co-host who's joining me today, was the, the head of the FWAA. So um, this worked out well. We got the stories up. It was an incredible game. Uh, one of the best uh, I've ever covered in my career. That's awesome. Um, anytime you get a walk-off win, um, it's it's a it's a huge momentum shift for uh, the sport, especially when it's a top ten matchup. So Ohio State wins on the final play of the game, fourteen to or seventeen fourteen. Excuse me, um, Kyle McCord, who's in his third game as Ohio State's full-time starter, led a game-winning drive, sixty-five yards in the final minute and a half, uh, fifteen plays, uh, five for thirteen. Um, you know, completions and and then ship train them scored with uh, one run, uh, one yard run there to, to win the game. So today was a really huge, uh, potentially playoff setting game uh, day for everybody um, because of all the top 10 matchups and, and the, and the big time um, results that we got here, Dave, but I don't think that there was a bigger game than the Ohio state game. And I think the most important thing that we have to consider is how Ryan day reacted uh, to that win afterward, which was a 42nd tirade about how Ohio state is viewed as soft and something that Lou Holtz said on the Pat McAfee show on Friday. Um, There was a notion or there is a notion that Ohio state is soft. uh, I think mostly because of the way that the Michigan games have gone the last two years Um, and Notre Dame for the most part in that second half, took control of the game, started running it down Ohio State's throat. Ohio State did some weird play calls on fourth and one when it seemed like uh, they were afraid to try to just mash the ball down their throats. And um, at the end of the game, they ended up winning. So what was your perception of Ohio State before this game? And what was your perception now that Ohio State won uh, on the final play of the game? I think it was interesting. You know, first of all, you know, we talked about this on on Thursday, Ari. Uh, shout out to Kyle McCord. You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought... Well, if you had to give a percent chance when they took over on that last drive that he was going to be able to take them down to a touchdown, I would have said under 30, probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sure enough, uh, got that drive done. Got the win. Um, Impressive to do that in that situation on that stage. um, That's huge. But I think in general, it it was interesting that Ryan Day sort of singled out I mean, I, I, Lou Holtz is whatever. I don't really care about that. But all right, that was a mainstream opinion, was it not? Yeah, well, first, for those who haven't listened, why don't we show yes, uh, please, the audience please. what Ryan Day said on national television? Like, I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. What he said about our team, what he said about our team, I cannot believe. This is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio. And it's always been Ohio against the world. And it'll continue to be Ohio against the world. But I'll tell you what, I love those kids, and we got a tough team. All right, wait till wait till he hears what Bob Stoops said about Texas next week. <laughs> well, I think that there's a lot to unpack here because first of all, you have 
a uh, first year starter who had, you know, one of the best comebacks in Ohio state history, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the road, that's, that's super important, but um, let's unpack this notion of softness, where it came from and why people think that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, during my 10 years on the beat, Ohio state physically dominated people for the most part, even when urban Meyer was the head coach of this program, uh, running the spread and bringing a new offense to Columbus, Ohio, the main tenant uh, during those Carlos Hyde days, those Ezekiel Elliott days were that even though we're going to spread it out, and we're going to have elite level athletes on the outside that when push comes to shove, you're not going to be able to stop Ohio state from running the football. And they, re- they, so, they played bully ball when they wanted to, or when they, yes, to, and they won a lot of games running bully ball with their quarterback too, with JT mm-hmm. Barrett saw a lot of wins with JT Barrett, JT, right. Uh, right, left, right, left play calls that were just like run the quarterback. It was kind of like mm-hmm. Tim Tebow light. Uh, they were a very tough team back then. They didn't always win the big game, uh, but they never lost because they got pushed around. So as Ryan Day's offense has begun to flourish at Ohio State, it looks a little bit differently than it did under Urban Meyer because, you know, what he has done as a coach is, you know, obviously recruited the quarterback position exceptionally well. Brian Hartline and the run of receivers that they've brought in, uh, is certainly the deepest and best, most impressive recruiting. Uh, They've replaced results. Alabama as the best at that position right now. I don't know that any coach in college football in the modern era of recruiting has accumulated talent at their position better or more efficiently than Ryan Day. And I'm assuming, or not Ryan Day, Brian Hartline. Brian Hartline. Um, and there's, I mean, you could go look that up. I mean, he has more top 100 receivers coming into this program than the entire Big Ten has top 100 players at every position combined. It's a sharp choice like it's, it's, Texas is pushing him, Ari, but, but you're yeah, right. Well, it's not. <laughs> go go add it up. I guarantee you it's not. No, you're, close. I mean, it's definitely, yeah, the, the, yeah. the sustainability um, of it all. I won't, so I, won't I think argue. where the notion of softness came from, Dave, is how this rivalry has shifted with the Michigan game. In both well, of the last two years, Michigan. I will say, has Ari, though, out- I think if that kick goes a little bit differently against Georgia, that that narrative goes away, also. Well, which the is thing stupid, it is, but it's true. Is it's? I don't know that I agree with that because Ohio State is being criticized for being unable to beat teams that are built like Michigan, that are more so built like Notre Dame, but who Georgia want to kind run the ball. Is. No, I know, but it's just one of these deals where it's like in this game, Ohio State was winning 10 to nothing. They were in complete control. Their defense was was playing a great game. And usually when you shut out an opponent at Ohio State for the first half, that means the game is over. Mm-hmm. And what has happened uh, in this game and happened before in Michigan games is that the other team has, you know, continued to run the football and has done so in an efficient enough way where, um, they take control of the game and Notre Dame went on two double digit drives play wise um, in that third and fourth quarter to take a 14 to 10 lead. And it did so by running the ball. And there were a lot of estimate runs where he was hit at three yards downfield and it ended up down 10. It looked like they were physically starting to tap out. And then the other thing you have is two separate scenarios where Ohio state faced fourth down and one or fourth and inches um, in the second quarter, they threw the ball into the end zone despite having a fullback on the field and Marvin Harrison was not on there. Um, and it's just like when you're fourth and one at Ohio state, the urban Meyer, Ohio state runs it in for a touchdown. And then well, later and on in the game, even Ari, even if you, even if you get that fourth and one to do that, like that play call, if you want, if you're Ryan day and you're that like, you know, in your feelings about Lou Holtz saying you're soft, Buddy, go prove it on that fourth and one. Don't run an end around with Egbuka. What are we doing? And that was like, zero zero at that time. And then the second one, Dave, uh, was fourth and inches, and Ohio State was down by four with I believe eight or you know five mm-hmm. to eight minutes. One of those two uh, in the game, and they ran a weird end around with uh, a Mecca Egbuka that got stuffed. And you start to think to yourself, what happened to the Ohio State that won games like this because they were bigger, faster, hungrier, and tougher? And Notre Dame is a very good football team this year. I think you said that they were going to flex this game. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I've, Ohio already been, State, I've already been hit up by the Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, and it's okay. <laughs> you, you know, that's what happens when you're on a podcast. It's really well, hard you to know, get everything. Uh, there's right a first time. time for everything. I, I'm learning what it's like to be wrong. It's it's never happened before. I don't love it. Yeah. But, well, um, you'll you'll uh, you know Texas won by a hundred too on on Saturday. So we'll we get, get we'll to get to later, the but, Longhorns. We'll get to the Longhorns. <laughs> but Ohio State 
didn't get those first downs. They didn't attempt yeah. to do them in the old Ohio State way. And for a while there, it looked like they were going to lose to Notre Dame in a similar fashion to the way that they lost to Michigan, which has been, you know, controlling the games in the first half or being there in the first half and then getting getting beaten down until you no longer are able to compete or are equipped to compete physically. And if Ohio State would have lost that game, I think that Ryan Day probably felt like he was on the verge of losing this fan base. Um, Twitter was a really ugly place when it was 14 to 10. And Usually it's very nice. That's, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Ohio State ended up winning the game at the end there. They had a fourth and one after all those two fourth and ones. They didn't do the right thing on in the game. Fourth and one with three seconds left from the one yard line. Uh, they ran the ball and Notre Dame inexplicably had 10 men on the field, uh, but they scored uh, a one yard touchdown run to win the game. So here's the notion now Ohio State won. Uh, they got down uh, to their to the place that they didn't want to get down to, which is putting it all on Kyle McCord's shoulders to win the game. They go mm-hmm. 65 yards in less than 90 seconds. I think they, he faced a third and seven or a third and nine, a fourth and seven, and a third and 19 on that drive, converted all of them. And, and they won the game by running it up the gut to win. So, like, that to me is like the weird dichotomy between did Ohio State show it was tough at the end or was Michigan watching this game tape in a few weeks licking their chops? Like, how do you think this game will be uh, perceived moving forward? I mean, softness is not a uh, binary. <laughs> can, I, can we say that? Like, you know, is, is, is this Ohio State team a team that's just going to push everybody around and be, you know, a brick wall on defense? No. But, like, you know, I don't know that, you know, soft was ever sort of a fitting descriptor. I think certainly teams, you know, the, the Michigan the last couple of years, like you said, I think is a huge part of it. But to me, you know, regardless of the result, Ari, I, I still, having watched Georgia as much as I did last season, for them to to hang in that game and basically be a coin flip away, that that to me... Like, I thought that that Notre Dame could do some th- similar things to Michigan, and, and like you said, they did at times. But like, I I do think Ari, it does come down to like softness is not is not a binary. So like, they're not the toughest team in the world, but like, oh, like you know, Ohio State's going to get pushed around by the big boys just doesn't really hold water. Well, here's the thing that you have to say, and then we'll move on. But the type of game that Ohio State played against Georgia was a throw it around the, the field, you know, forty-eight to forty-five. Yeah, but they're still Georgia. So are. You not, still gotta you still gotta win. You still gotta sure. win the line of scrimmage. You gotta protect, you gotta pressure, all that stuff. I think that the notion of getting pushed around by less talented teams is the concerning part. Not whether or not Ohio State is equipped to, well, to compete with the, other the teams talent, that are built the like the talent them. conversation with Michigan is so complicated because the raw numbers say they're less talented and they might have seven offensive linemen drafted this year. So like, what are we even talking about? Yeah. yeah and Notre Dame has a very good offensive line. Yes, so, they do. Um, One of the, the best in the country that I think Ohio state's probably going to be happy about is that their quarterback grew up overnight. We saw yeah. it happen. JT two made a huge play at the end of the game. And after all of the grab ass that ensued in that game, they won on a one yard touchdown. run. So, mm-hmm. You know, I think Ohio State is in a good position now with two weeks to go before they played Penn State to kind of regroup, you know, build with their quarterback position uh, continually. And then they're playing Penn State at home and we're going to get another one. So, yeah, um, I think that Ryan Day got fired up for the first time in the five years he's been a head coach because I think he understands that you lose the fan base by people calling your program soft. Your pro your, your fan base loses faith in who you are and what your program is if they believe that. And that's kind of the beginning of how things start to turn. So I thought it was a really big win for Ohio State. I think we're going to find out a lot about what Notre Dame is as we continue to go on into the season. Ohio State's going to be tested by Penn State. Uh, they're going to be tested tested by Michigan. And he'll have plenty of time to prove his toughness. But I thought it was a very good win for Ohio State. And it went from like complete and utter program meltdown to exhale and I mean, win and move so on silly like dude you're it's not, not you're not, I'm telling you're you, not it's wrong not. but you're not yeah. wrong Ari, but it's still stupid like at the end of the day i came away from this game thinking those are two of the six best teams in the country whereas i we don't need to relitigate it but watching texas bama i was like these are two top 10 ish teams so like 
this game really impressed me. You just can't help more. yourself, can you? I'm just saying, Ari. But that, that, what I saw tonight is two of the six best teams playing football. Yeah, that's well, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I think it was a good win for Ohio State. I don't think mm-hmm. you know how deep into the depths of the underground things would have gotten had they lost that I game. I know, but I'm just and saying that just that's lost that game. I don't disagree with you, but it's stupid. Like Losing the game the way that they would have lost it, too, which is giving up two 11 and 13 play drives yeah. and watching another running back run through your defense and carry but people at the end of the day, like it's a preschool. Like, you're not that's, wrong, that's, Ari. You're not wrong, but, but our job is to provide some sense of reality and a four-point loss on the road to a playoff-ish caliber team is not something to like start, you know, breaking out the sackcloth sat and ashes for, you know. Yeah, I mean, you got to visit Columbus every now and then. I get, I'm not saying nice that it wouldn't yeah. have happened, Ari. I'm saying that when it happened, I'm going to roll my eyes at it because Ohio State would have been fine. Somebody has to lose these games. Somebody has to win mm-hmm. these games. Like, is Notre Dame going to like, you know, break down touchdown Jesus after this game and rebuild it? And like, we got to redesign it. We got to have it fresher so that the kids can get. You know, more and I the thing money. that you like, have to on, understand like- here, Dave, and I'm telling you this and anybody listening to the show, it's true. Ohio State was probably a made field goal away from winning a national championship yes. last year. Yes. And this team's fan base is very lukewarm, if not trending in the wrong direction on their head coach. That's a I, fact. I, I know so, it's a fact and I'm saying yeah. it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't disagree yeah. with the word you've said, Ari. I'm just saying that that mindset is insane. Well, you know, it's crazy what people start to believe when you lose to Michigan and not just lose, beat it, get their ass kicked two years in a row. Uh, mm-hmm. That means a lot more than than uh, to Ohio State fans and people on the outside can realize. And having lived it for a decade of my life, let me tell you, this is a very, <laughs> very emotional fan base, a passionate fan base, one that expects their team to not only be good, but to be, uh, yeah, expects them to not only be good, but to be physically uh, superior and hungrier than their, their, their fan base. So, uh, or their opponents, sorry, uh, Joe Mustachio here at four minutes left. That was really sad. One second left. I was jumping up and down about to throw up from excitement. This roller coaster ride tonight was an all timer. And I think the coolest thing about college football in general is like, no matter how you contextualize it, like it is probably going to be one of the best games of the year. Yeah. Um, this was a iconic stadium. This was my first time going to South Bend. And let me tell you, um, it's a beautiful campus. There's something really special about this place. And you want to know what I like the most about it. Unlike other stadiums that I've been to at night when it's dark, there's no lighting up of the fans. Like it's a very dark stadium. The only thing that's lit up is the field. So it's got this very theatrical feel to it. It touchdown Jesus over here, get the sun setting. I thought it was beautiful and I, and I'm so happy I got to experience it. And I'm certainly going to talk a lot more about Ohio state and Notre Dame. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. How on earth, if you're Marcus Freeman, oh my do you gosh. have two plays by choice with the game on the line by with choice? Only 10 players on the field, and then you know. say that publicly after the game. Listen, Mark, I want Marcus Freeman to succeed. It'd be great if he did. He makes it really hard sometimes. The idea that in your mind, now I know a lot of stuff's happening fast. Sorry, I know a lot of things are happening. It's but it wasn't like one play; those, it was two. Well, I know, but here, but here's what I'm saying. In his mind. In in the moment that mattered the most, he said, no, instead of sacrificing a half a yard for an illegal substitution, I would rather sacrifice 9.8% of my defense 
and play with 10 men mm-hmm. on a play where you know they're Would probably going to have you? a fourth and goal from the half yard line with 10 players or with 11 players on the team? Yes. One of whom 1, is probably 275 percent. pounds, or would you rather? The fact um, that he did that did that arithmetic in his mind and came to the came to the discussion and then said publicly after because like here's the thing I've been on the sideline for games getting the right personnel is a exercise in controlled chaos that I think a lot of fans don't understand how hard it is to get the right guys in and out like on special and I also teams don't know how stuff. you're supposed to identify there's only ten people out there because it's really hard to count to eleven. Well, I know. Fast. But he said he saw that they only had 10. Yeah, no, I saw. And he yeah. said, and he said, well, hold on. We're just like, that is so insane to me that I can't even like that's. And in four oh years, if he's on the hot seat, they'll talk about what happened here. Yes, tonight. so they will. OK, uh, very instrumental game. Very excited to have been there. But I think it's time to move on to the game that you were at. I was uh, also at a stadium for the first time today, Ari. Austin, yes, Austin is beautiful. Zoo. It is um, fantastic. It was awesome. Oregon beat the hell out of Colorado 42 to six. Um, Bonix at 285 yards, uh, total <laughs> offense, four touchdowns, Oregon's defense at seven sacks. I know Travis Hunter didn't play, uh, but what is your main takeaway from Colorado's undefeated run coming to a crushing hold? Um, what the heck TCU is <clears throat> a little bit of it. Like that's honestly yeah. like kind of a little bit, cause you look at Nebraska, they're a disaster and they don't have the offense to take advantage of like, Colorado's offensive line and their corners, this is what they've been all year. They're not very good. They're not very deep. Without Travis Hunter, it's a huge loss, but like one corner is kind of like whatever. Like that's not that big of a deal. They're just, they're not very good at corner and they aren't very deep. Um, but this is the first team that they played that could really exploit that. TCU had the receivers, but Chandler Morris didn't play well enough. And Bo Nix, I mean, they, they could have beat him a hundred different ways in this game. You look at every number. I mean, it's a, it's just a bloodbath. And I think ultimately like it would be nice to inject a little more rationality into the Colorado conversation. I think this is a competent team, very flawed, very fun, but like there were people like, well, Hey, why not? You know, is Colorado going to contend for PAC 12 title? We want to think about this now. Like, no, but Colorado's also not a disaster. Like, I think that we maybe see the pendulum shift a little bit from like, can Colorado flirt around with the Pac-12 title? Or, you know, now on the other end, it's like, well, Colorado might not win another game the rest of the year. They're going to start 3-0 and finish 3-9. It's like, all right, guys, like, chill out, you know? And so that part of it, and I think look, Colorado is what it is. It's a supernova in the sport. Dion is who he is. People can't get enough of it. But I also think that it's important to highlight that regardless of what they did to Colorado, People are underrating Oregon's defense, which might make them, to me, like the team that I'm most intrigued by in the Pac-12 title. The Pac-12 right now, I don't. We can we can talk USC, whatever. Oregon and Washington are two playoff teams. They're clearly playoff caliber teams. Time will tell if they can get there. And I think that there is a also a very good case for Washington to be the best team in the country right now, uh, talent team talent composite uh, aside. Um, but to me, like I think, it, like I said, my main takeaway, let's be a little more rational about Colorado. They didn't do anything today. They weren't anyone today that they haven't been. Like the offensive line is this, and the corners are this. But Oregon's also really good, and they have an actual defense. So, Yeah, so here's my entire take on Colorado. This was a very difficult position for Deion Sanders to start in. What do you he mean? He flipped a, like in just in, like in yeah, general. Yeah, just the team stunk okay. last year, uh, and yeah. he had a huge build to have for them to be mm-hmm. competent. Mm-hmm. And they started off by beating TCU, which was a huge upset in a, a game. They were twenty-one point underdog. The following week, they beat Nebraska, and then the following week, they beat Colorado State in a very exciting overtime game. And because it's Deion. And because we had expectations of what they could be before the year, and those expectations were exceeded every single week that they won and continued to keep their undefeated record, the hype continued to grow and grow and grow to the point where people were thinking, is this a Pac-12 championship type team? Is this a team that could win 10 or 11 games this year? And I think that we as a country, uh, I don't know that I ever really believe that that would be the case, but a lot of people started to believe that this was a very, very good football team, not just a team that was better 
than what they were supposed to be, but like a legitimately good football team that belonged on the same field with teams that have been built for three or four years. And I think what we found out today is that Colorado was exactly where they should be, which is a team that that beats teams that they're better than, but isn't quite ready to stack up against a legitimate playoff team. So I think that watching them lose this way will put a pin a little bit into the hype hype monster because anytime you lose like this and you have to play USC next week, you know, it could be a rough two weeks for them. But when you put it into perspective of what Colorado was, what prime did uh, in the off season and what they are right now, I think it is still a very ahead of schedule build. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think we lost track of what they are and what they were supposed to be. Um, And just because they lost by, you know, whatever they lost by 30, I'm not a very good, what is that? 36. It honestly doesn't really matter what they lost by. It could have been. Yeah. It could have lost by a hundred. Many more. Yeah. It was, but also too, they weren't supposed to not lose by a hundred. Like if you thought that they weren't supposed to lose by a hundred, then you weren't watching, you know, the ailments that this team has. And by the way, when you lose a guy like Travis Hunter, you don't just lose one player. I feel like you lose two and a half. You lose your dynamic receiver and you lose a dynamic cornerback at a position that you're already kind of worried about. Mm. And then on top of that, Oregon, uh, before Dan Lanning got there and now certainly with Dan Lanning um, did a good job of emphasizing the lines that they built there. And they're just a much better team up front on both sides of the football. And I don't care how flashy your quarterback is or how ahead of schedule your receivers are. If you don't have an offense and defensive line that can stack up with the big boys in the sport, this is what's going to happen. That game was decided on the lines of scrimmage. And and I don't, I don't believe that Dion failed. I don't think that Colorado failed. I just think that it's a re uh, assignment or a correction of what they are and Mm -hmm. a ability to watch them with a full heart and with a clear eyes and to really know exactly moving forward what you're dealing with. And that doesn't mean they can't win seven games or they can't win eight games. If they win eight games, that'd be a monumental success. And they weren't supposed to be able to compete in this game. They were not. Can I say something? Can I say something that might come off a touch pretentious? I'm going to, I'm going to risk myself. You're wearing a blazer at one in the morning. So it wouldn't surprise (laughs) me. Yeah. (laughs) Here's the thing. A lot of the people talking about Colorado with the biggest microphones, be they, Major cable news networks in the late mornings. No, not us. Sorry, it is a big big mic. mic. Yeah, it is. It's a very impressive mic. Don't underestimate (laughs) the power of the audience of this podcast. Okay, so don't go say that I'm not. But Ari, we don't have the same. We don't have the same audience as First Take or Undisputed or Good Morning America. Okay, well, uh, anyway, we have a smarter audience. As respectfully as I can say this, they don't watch college football. It is not yeah. an educated college football opinion. They watch Colorado and like maybe Alabama and like, that's fine. That's their job. But I think that it's not an emphasis places, in their programming. So it's yes, not going to be an some emphasis of those places in what they were study. driving a lot of the Colorado conversation, which was so devoid of context that it's like, not even like, it's just, it's whatever. But I think a lot of people, you know, are sort of just watching that and being like, well, you know, Skip said they're going to be like amazing. So they're like probably going to be, it's just like, I, there's no way that I can put this where I'm just like, I don't like, you're just, you just don't watch the whole country. So I don't even know what to tell you about like the Colorado conversation. So I apologize if it comes off pretentious, but like we watch the sport, Ari, people that cover college football, the people that are in the college football sphere, like 24 seven or whatever, I would say 90% of the conversation was very rational about Colorado of like they're playing above their weight right now. And there's a chance that this can really get ugly. And I think a lot of people felt that way. I thought they could score some today and keep up, but I thought they were going to get very clearly beaten. But I think for them to be beaten as viciously as they were today, like I think that, I think there's some more rationality coming to the Colorado conversation. Well, I want to, I want to contextualize this too. Um, because you know, a lot of times we come on here at one in the morning after a Saturday game and break down that game, but Colorado and what it has done through the first month of this season, I feel like they're playing with house money right now. They, we, they are. Sanders, it's, it's impressive. It is impressive. It's already been impressive and overhyped at the same time, they've, but they've already had the environments. They've had the recruiting visits. Mm-hmm. They've had, and Travis Hunter has already shown every 
five-star prospect in America what it is like to play for Dion. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they have the ammunition and what he said after the game today that you guys heard just a minute ago about you better get me now. Uh, this is going to be the worst that we're going to be. Like, I genuinely believe that. I don't know that I believe yeah. I believed it fully before the season, um, but I truly, with every fiber of my being, believe that Colorado, if they stay with this and Dion mm-hmm. is the coach there for three or four or five more years. Wow. will be a okay. very good football team eventually. Um, and that, to me, is an exciting <laughs> proposition. Now, we don't need to get into a discussion about his foot or how long he's going to be the head coach there. I saw some bullshit about how the NFL is going to come calling for him. I don't know if he's an NFL coach. I think that his beauty is the ability to create the hype machine that he created. Well, and he, and he has, a, he has but, an obsession with mentorship. He has had that for a long time and you, but you're not you know, a mentor. Somebody like Dion, I, I think that his, his beauty and the thing that makes a college football coach truly great is the ability to amass talent. So mm-hmm. he's a lethal weapon in the college space. So I don't know if you want to go give him the Cleveland Browns and let him try to work through the Deshaun Watson situation right now, but that's not what I believe his strong suit would be. Um, I believe that he has already proven more than apt to be in this position. I believe that Colorado is four steps ahead of where I thought they would be. And I also don't think anything that I thought about Colorado changed because they lost to a team that has been building this way for years. So, and I, I that, think to, to, to close the discussion, Ari, I think I agree with you. And to, to make it real, if Dion got a commit from Bryce Underwood in the next six weeks, would either one of us, think twice about that the fact that it's possible is like legitimately the whole reason why uh i believe this so um, yes all right dave we got a really late start on the show and you know i thought it was good to jump right into it but first let me just um you know do the spiel here if you don't mind okay so bear with me thank you guys for listening to you know the latest edition of until saturday we're going to keep going here uh, shortly after this but i just wanted to make sure that you guys are uh, making sure that you are following the podcast on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please leave us a five-star review and leave a question with your review, and we will answer it on the show if it's a five-star. Uh, subscribe to the Until Saturday YouTube channel. If you're watching it live with us right now, we love you. Uh, if you watch it with us live on Thursday and Sunday for the Sunday sound off, we love you. But if you're <laughs> listening to this in podcast form first thing in the morning on Sunday, the link to the YouTube channel can be found in the show's description. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and vice versa. If you are only a YouTuber, find us uh, on your podcast feeds. Also be sure to leave a voicemail and text until Saturday at 316-462-9852. Again, that is 316-462-9852. Leave a voicemail and we will try to get your voice, your question, your comment, your insult, anything you have to say onto the show when we go live at roughly 6.30 on on, sat, on Sunday evening. So, um, you know, all the links that you need will be found in the show's description. Also, be sure to read our coverage uh, on The Athletic. I, I wrote a column off of the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. Dave wrote off of the Oregon-Colorado uh, game. And there's just so much college and football information. And Ari, we got a so, guest on the Sunday Sound Off tomorrow. Yeah. The special guest. Is who I had dinner with last night, Dan Rubenstein, the pizza man. Um, I, need, I need to text him first in the morning to uh, confirm that, but he <laughs> is uh, becoming a really good friend of mine, and I'm really happy to have him on. He's from the Solid Verbal, and if you haven't heard his voice, you'll realize how awesome he's at podcasting when he joins he's us great. on Sunday. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Florida State, Clemson. Uh, we talked about how this was going to be an iffy game. The line was weird, mm-hmm. uh, but we were going to find out if Clemson has a chance to show the country that it is a pulse and maybe compete again for the ACC championship. And we were going to find out if Florida State was a legitimate national championship contender. I think we found out a lot about both teams uh, on Saturday yeah. morning. Florida State survived a 31-24 in overtime. It looked like Clemson was going in for the kill to go up by two scores there at the beginning or end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. And then Florida State had a strip sack that they took back like 80 yards to tie the game and then eventually won in overtime. Very thrilling game. Um, I felt like Clemson was going to win for three and a half quarters of that game, but Florida State found a way, and that's what good teams do, right, Dave? Yeah, I Florida State makes me nervous. Like, we haven't – the team that we saw in the second half against LSU – have we seen that team again? Mm-hmm. But I think I'm it's not really sure hard to do that, do that a lot. Was. I mean, like, how, well, how a lot, you sure, at? but like, we haven't seen that team since then. So that makes me nervous about this Florida State team. But I will say the thing that I like about this Florida State team is they seem to understand who they are, which is hey, our receivers are awesome. When we get in tight spots, let's go let Throw Keon Coleman go make a play. And I think that if you're sitting here on September 23rd, and you have some understanding of your identity, you're ahead of a lot of teams. And so, you know, Florida State sort of understands that. They know, like Jordan Travis playing today, he's bleeding all over the place. He's got, what, a shoulder, and elbow. It was all, you know. I mean, he was letting his left arm dangle during the game. Yeah. So whatever injury that he suffered in the Boston College game. Was still very much there. Anybody who watched the game knew that he was struggling physically Mm -hmm. in some regard. Um, yet still threw for 289 yard, not 289 yards and two touchdowns. His two top receivers, Johnny Wilson, five receptions, 94 yards, and Keon Coleman, five receptions, 86 yards, and two scores, including the catch in overtime. Like, I'm looking at the Florida State team, and I feel like the growth of the team, you know, it, maybe you don't believe that they could win a national championship. I still question that to this day, but you're looking at the schedule here Virginia Tech, Syracuse, they get to play Duke. Um, at home this year, Wake Forest at Pitt, then uh, Miami, and then Florida are like they're like this is a very navig. What's the word? Navigated, navigatable. It's a very easily to navigate schedule. Um, that I think <laughs> you don't need Michelin to get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that like there there's a a real chance here that they could do something to get into the playoff. And yeah, listen, going on the road for the second consecutive week, playing a team like Clemson that's desperate to prove that it's not a joke. Um, navigable is the word. Thank you, Jimmy. Navigable. If they say is that, so. is that the word? I'm gonna. There doesn't sound he probably, right. He probably Googled it. I, it doesn't sound right to me, but I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna give him the benefit of the yeah, doubt. Yeah, I'm, I'm but, not a doctor, but um, <laughs> it was a very quality win to me. Uh, well, it, it is, and, and also I think that it's important to note that this is a snapshot in time, and even though they're two and two, Ari. By December 6th or whatever the date is, that's probably a top 25 win. I think Clemson's going to be in the top 25. And they the might play again. Set. I don't know. I don't know if they'll Maybe. play again. They've got two ACC losses. But um, the one thing I will say is that I felt very terrible for the kicker that came back to join the team. Uh, Clemson made a phone call last week to get a kicker that was on the team for four years uh, to rejoin the team when that kicker was trying to um, mm-hmm. go into the professional world. He decided to delay his professional life to rejoin the team and then missed a crucial field goal there at the end of the game that probably would have won it for Clemson. Clemson had three or four different opportunities in this game to win and did not. Um, and I don't know if you perceive that to be Florida State taking it from them or Clemson fumbling the bag a little bit. I think it was kind of a little it's bit of both. both but, I don't um, think it matters. You just got to win. You just got to win. And like, listen, Florida State's at a place right now. I think I, I read a stat where they won a nine. Um, uh, and the, the kicker's name was Jonathan Whites. Um, so sorry for not uh, saying it before, but um, where it doesn't that. matter what it looks like, it doesn't matter how it happens, it's just a different result. So Florida State winning this game, reasserting itself as a legitimate power in the ACC, I think is fun for the sport. I think if Jordan Travis can get healthy, um, I think Benson is a very good back. I think you know their defensive front is really good. Jared Verse is going to be a top five pick. Like yep. they have the pieces in the right spots to be dangerous against anybody in the country. And frankly speaking, Dave, if you think that Ohio State, the team that I watched on Saturday night, is a top three team and a legitimate national championship contender, mm-hmm. there's nothing that you could say to me on this podcast right now about 
Florida State not being able to beat that team. Like if they played tomorrow, I would probably pick Florida State. So really? they're, they're, I mean, Ohio State isn't great right now. Like I don't know what game you watched, but like I thought that they were just fine. Like I think you're on. I just think I I think I hold Notre Dame in a higher esteem than you do. I think that's part well, of it. I think this I is think, a, not to belabor the point, Ari, but it goes back to the Texas Bama Rorschach test in that I think Bama I think Notre Dame is still one of the six best teams in the country. And that's just a slobber. You so know. you think Ohio State's got the best win in college football this year so far? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, on the road at Notre Dame, yeah, yes. Yeah, well, I didn't. Know Although I think, think that Florida I think State kicking sus- the crap out of LSU is a better way. That, I suspect that in December, Florida State beating LSU that way might be. But you went into Notre Dame and won. So even if that's two top ten teams, you know that's probably still more impressive. Yeah, and you know, uh, listen, sort of. You know, I don't uh, like to act like or to take anything away from a team that just won the way that they did. But I think that if you've watched Ohio state as much as I have for the past five, 10 years, um, you know it when you see it. And I don't know if I know it right now. So we'll see what happens as, as they continue to go on. Very nice win. Ari, I think you're um, overrating the rest of the field, honestly. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Uh, Florida state, I think matches up quite well with all the team, like Alabama lo- almost lost again. We'll get to that. They've already lost uh, this year. Georgia is Georgia. Ohio State is Ohio State. But then who else? I mean, I think so. Like, yeah, TBD on Georgia, TBD on Michigan, who has not looked super sharp. But like at the moment, Florida State, Texas, I guess Penn State, Washington, somehow people still aren't taking seriously. Uh, You know, and then, you know, these are all teams that look like, you know, there's probably. And then, of course, Oregon, we've somehow left out. You look around. I'm going to jump LSU up there, probably against your wishes. But there's probably 10 teams right now, maybe not, maybe 8 to 10 teams, that you could say, like, they're playing. There are a lot of people on the dance, dance floor. There's a lot of people on the dance floor, but Michael Jackson's not out there yet. Like, I don't yeah. I don't know if there is a team out there that I look at and, and like, are, am in a trance of, like, that's it right there. You I was going to say Chris Brown to. might be a better example, but that's that's worse. That, well, not worse. Yeah, who's really good at dancing that wasn't terrible off <laughs> yeah, the we, dance floor? Get, like, I don't can know. Can we get an uncanceled good dancer? I don't know. Yeah, who's good? Yeah. The um, chat could probably help us out with that. Anyway. Uh, I've got some no, pretty I, good moves. We might need to have you prove that, Ari. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think right now, like, if you look around, Ari, and, and like, if you really wanted to, could you not make the case that Ohio State's the best team in the country right now? If you really wanted to, could you not make the case that Florida State's the best team in the country right now? Yeah, I think that's what I was saying. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, it's it's at this point, like, when nobody – I I think I really want to make the case for Washington. That might be what I have to write this week, Ari. Yeah, you know, you got to call somehow, them and fill out. Yeah. I think that's – I think that might be because, like, you know, at the end of the day – if the team at this point, this team showing the fewest warts is something to behold. And if you're looking for reasons to denigrate, you know, they let Cal score 32 in a game that they scored 59 is probably what that's probably the biggest strike against Washington. Yeah. So. Okay. So I think those were the big games of the day on Saturday. I think we learned a lot. Um, let's go through some of the other games quickly here. Okay. Yes. Um, Alabama outscored number 15 Ole Miss 18 to three in the second half, uh, eventually won 24 to 10. I think I, I had a pretty good feeling that Alabama was going to, to win this game. And, you know, Lane Kiffin was playing around a lot with Nick Saban during the week. They seem relaxed. You know, Alabama was in a dire position, but Milrow, Jalen Milrow as the starting quarterback officially announced 253 yards, uh, one touchdown, um, you know, 80% completion percentage and 118 total yards mm-hmm. uh, between Buckner and Simpson at, against USF last week. So um, Alabama, you know, gets the job done. I think they can start to settle into uh, the notion that their quarterback is who he is and try to win games around him. I mean, Jalen Milrow went 17 for 21. He had a pick, but he threw for yeah, 25. Yeah, however you got, however you got there, I think he ended the conversation today, right? Whatever. Well, the conversation, I believe, was. was ended on Monday. I think that the well, but I mean, like, said, not by Nick Saban, I mean, by just the yeah, general. I just think that there's something to be said about knowing who your guy is and trying to play through that person rather yeah. than the I, he's, you know, they were doing I don't know before. that he's a world beater, but he can he gives you the best chance to win ball games. I think that much is clear. 
Yeah. And, and so it was- like let him let him play, game plan some stuff around him. Um, I'd like to know how many designed runs. It's tough to get these these like analytics, these advanced numbers. But I'd be curious to know how many how many designed runs they had tonight uh, or today. I'd, I'd like to Tony Ayo is in the chat right now, making fun of people with small hands. I've got the smallest hands ever. I have pretty normal size hands. I've I got very like. small hands. Um, I can palm a women's ball if that if that means anything. My wife is four eleven, and her hands are almost as big as mine. Um, but I was very amused by Lane Kiffin, uh, kind of making some jokes all week and kind of aiming, you know, you know, playing fun and whatever with Nick Saban, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the post game, somebody asked him if he knew who was calling plays for Alabama after the game, and this is the the soundbite from that. I don't know. They did a good job, so um, I commend them. Maybe coach took over. What's going it's on with the fans? We got. I don't know. We, I don't know. I the I, movie Kingpin. Uh, the movie what? Kingpin. Oh yeah, uh, no, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah. <laughs> it is one of the greatest cinematic achievements in the history oh my of our gosh. country. Go watch it. Well, I don't know, it's too late to even have this conversation. Uh, right? Should we stop the podcast so that you can go watch it right now? <laughs> yeah, let's have a live stream of us watching Kingpin. That's yeah, you're, the Sunday yeah, the Sound is, Off show. <laughs> like this is like the new, like unbelievable fun fact about Dave Ubbett of the week. Is like this guy is like somehow not seen like great cinematic achievements. Uh, we got who else is it? Is Jeff Daniels in? Who else is in that movie? Jeff Daniels is not in Kingpin. It's uh oh, is that Bill Murray? I'm Bill Murray is the villain of of the movie, and uh, what's the guy's name from White Men Can't Jump? Very oh Woody actor. Harrelson, yeah Woody, Woody Harrelson, Harrelson. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those mm-hmm. two. very, 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 very good movie. Um, but I can't make the point I was going to make because you haven't seen it, which is unbelievable. <laughs> Go ahead, our viewers have seen it. They can. I mean, I'm sure they Big Earn McCracken at the end of the movie when he's bowling for his life. Spoiler: His hair got a little messed up. It happens when you're in the heat of battle. Um. Next game here, Dave. Utah mm-hmm. stifles UCLA's offense. Uh, wins fourteen to seven without Cam Rising. I thought that was another good win. And Ari, you know, somebody we, we we mentioned it on Thursday. We did it again. We did it we've, again. We've underrated Utah. Yeah, you. Well, so here's the thing. Everybody's like worried about uh, the Pac-12 and whether the shine was going to kind of come off this weekend. You know, USC won, Washington won. They put 59 points up, as you mentioned. Oregon won and Utah won. So they're going to have four teams in the top 10 probably this week. And they do play each other, so they're going to have to lose. But mm-hmm. um, USC played some grab ass with Arizona State tonight. And I think it was a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. They ended up winning by two touchdowns. Kenny Dillingham um, was on one. Onside kicks, trick plays. They yeah, were, I mean, what do you do? They That's were going hard. Do he, in that position. He, he, he said you play to win the game this week, and he played to win the game. Props. To yes, him. and I am 100% here um, for the notion that in the last year of the Pac-12's existence, they get two teams in and the SEC gets none. That would be That's the funniest outcome of the season. Yeah. No question. And it's, and it's out there on the table. Now, I don't know if Georgia's going to lose, but it's out there on the table. So yeah. um, next one here, Dave, yeah. uh, speaking of the Pac-12. Washington State comes out and beats Oregon State 38-35. Washington State, having a sneaky good uh, campaign, might jump into the top 15. And yeah. here's a here's a, san- a sound boy uh, from that game, too. You know, Coach Corso, he's at the point now where they just they give him the sheet and he, you know, he reads off of it and they try to make a joke, but it didn't even didn't even make sense. Okay, it's well documented what ESPN has done to try to, you know, get this, get to get our league into where it's at. And I would love to have a conversation with Coach Corso about the, you know, the value that he sees in breaking up the premier West Coast Conference. Okay, and I'd also love to have a conversation with Coach Corso about how he thinks you know, student-athletes and mental health and flying them all over the country is a positive thing. I'm open to those conversations. I, so there, I heard that uh, he may have misspoken or misheard. Lee Corso said that no one watches bowl. I've heard that in Corso – God bless him. Can be a little bit under under tough to understand. Supposedly, there may have been a no one wants us bowl. Either way, uh, the Pac two championship game today was very entertaining, and you know the idea that like you know Corso is is what he is is an institution. 
But like anytime anybody from ESPN wants to have any conversation about like, or even hit on like, what's the deal with the Pac-12 now? It's crazy. The Pac-12 is doing all this and like can't doesn't get a TV contract and is about to die. It's like, who do you think is like, you know, in part responsible for that? Like, come on now. Like somebody could have offered him a TV contract and no one did. You know, I mean, I say that, I mean, no one did that. They felt like they wanted to take. So, but I think it is cool that Washington state, um, is joining the fray in this PAC 12 madness and they are undefeated and they have a win over a ranked opponent and Mm -hmm. they beat Colorado state worse than Colorado did. It's another team to have to consider. And whenever you have undefeated teams with ranked wins, uh, you know, going into week five of the year, that's an exciting notion. So, Mm -hmm. um, Okay, let's get to the next game here, and we have a graphic for it. Brian Ferentz legitimately is not going to make it to the drive at 325. <laughs> like, he's not going to do it. They've got 85 total points, um, 240 points away still, and they need an average of 26.7 points per game to reach it this year. Penn State um, beat the crap out of Iowa on Saturday night and it was a Mm -hmm. rainy, disgusting game. And I cannot stop myself from thinking that the Penn state fans get one whiteout a year and they had to spend this year's whiteout in a torrential downpour watching Watching trying to get a first down. And I think the stat is that Iowa managed only four first downs the entire game. Penn State won thirty-one to nothing. Is it really that bad? I oh think it. God. No, it was. It was every bit as. I bad. watched a little bit of it. The, um, I mean, what did I say? Ari, I said thirty-four ten. I said somebody give me a, a reason to believe this game will not be thirty-four ten. And it turns out I was giving Iowa too much credit. Drew Aller twenty-five for thirty-seven, one hundred and sixty-six yards and four touchdowns. Um, you want to believe that Penn State is different this year. This type of game, everybody just assumed was going to be a Big Ten you know, brawl with, uh, you know, a bunch of rain and very few points and like a 19 to 12 type game or a 10 to three and Penn state won 31 to nothing. Their defense didn't allow Iowa to score. Cade McNamara went five, for 14 for 42 yards in this game, 42 yards. And they, and then the team rushed total for 20. So they had less than a hundred total yards of offense. I think this might've been, the worst Iowa offensive performance of the last two years. Um, and it is only getting immeasurably worse. Now, Penn State's a good football team. And I don't want to spend the entire segment taking away from Penn State's accomplishment and kicking the crap out of Iowa. But I'm just going to say this on the show. Um, I'm getting tired. Maybe I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it. Like, at a certain point, does Brian Ferris need to just step down? Like, I mean, like at a certain point, do you like have to start considering that, hey, I maybe it'd be better for this team if I wasn't around? (laughs) He just posted Penn State ran more plays than Iowa had yards. Yeah. Now, I because if you do that, Ari, there are some coaches, and I suspect that Brian is probably one of them, who believe that that's quitting on guys that are working for you, that have put in a lot of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, all that. And you say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to walk away. I think the real issue and it's still macro issue is I can't believe that if you're Kirk Ferentz and you're running this program and you make an assessment of where everything is at and you say, this is the person that gives us the best chance to be the most successful football program that we can be. That to me, like I just can't even wrap my head around that. And you know, that's an ever present reality in Iowa. But then when you get games like this, where it just looks so hopeless, I just, I'm sorry, Iowa fans. I know a couple of them and I just, I don't know what to tell you. I cannot imagine wrapping up my Saturdays and having an emotional attachment to having to watch that every week. I truly am sad for them. Four first downs, one of nine on third down, 76 total yards. 56 yards passing, 20 yards rushing, and four turnovers. I'm sorry, Iowa fans. It's funny, but like I'm not even th- I'm not even I'm laughing this time. Like it's getting it's getting like to a point now where that's not even playing. Yeah. Are they even playing football? They scored 41 last week, Ari. 
They scored 41 last week. So pull the ladder out and crawl out. We need another deep pick. I did see that our that guy dropped a, a less convincing Matt Campbell deep fake. I missed what the context was, but yeah, if he makes more. it more believable, they'll work better. Like, I mean, that last one was pretty believable, Ari. Like, I can you know. pull the ladder out <laughs> and crawl out of my ass. No, that was uh, my favorite thing ever. Um yeah. Okay, two quick ones here, Dave, real quick. Um, yeah. LSU beat Arkansas 34 to 31. I don't know if you were right about this team this year. You probably uh, uh, have noticed that you're not, you won't say die about the teams like Texas that won by 100. And, <laughs> you know, you're very convinced with your preseason notions about Alabama, and you were right about that. But, you know, LSU, you know, a win's a win, but it's just, there's something off there. Yeah. Uh, it's a rivalry game, Ari. What can I say? Yeah. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's concerning, Ari. It really is. Uh, you know, when are you going to be concerned? I'm already concerned. I mean, they okay. have a loss, Ari. They have a bad loss. I was concerned after Florida Florida State rolled up 38-3 on them for you know two and a half quarters or whatever it was. Um, yeah. I think LSU is good enough to get to the playoff, um, and they're still, I think, one of the five most talented teams. Um, but you've got to climb over some people. You're, you've got some opportunities for some big wins, obviously. Um, and then, you know, if you can get to Atlanta. But that, that's that's part of this too, Ari, is if you look around at the SEC West, would you really take someone else over LSU to get to Atlanta? Really? Probably not, no. Yeah. So, like, regardless of whatever happens, if you have a two-loss LSU at the end of this thing that finds a way to beat probably Georgia – We'll just assume it's Georgia and Atlanta. That's still, they'll have a I'm shot. I'm not talking right? about this with you. Okay. All right. We'll <laughs> talk about the playoff later on. That's, <laughs> that, I was wondering if you were concerned they were going to lose five games this year, not turn this no, into what they can I'm not concerned the they're going to lose five. I think they'll drop one or two mm-hmm. more, probably. Yeah. So Okay. Just a few quick things I want to run through. It's the give them their flowers segment. Yes. Uh, Oklahoma beat. Uh, Cincinnati twenty to six. It was an ugly game, but they covered they chug, the spread. And they chugged skyline after this. Sorry, yeah, um, warm skyline out of cans. That should have been that's that, that, going to be like that, an Andy Staples eating challenge. I'll, as I'll a nation, we can't we can't be letting that be broadcast over the airwaves. We that yeah, can't. skyline actually isn't good. I've got news for yeah, you. Yeah, it's not good. It's cinnamon terrible. is not a chili flavor in my opinion. Um, let me just give them their flowers here, Dave. Yeah. West Virginia beat your preseason Big 12 champ, Texas Tech, 20 to 13, which was a Big 12 game, I believe. Uh, Tyler <laughs> show, uh, show, Shock broke his uh, fibula against the Mountaineers. Yeah. Uh, Kansas is 4 0 now in consecutive years for the first time since 1913 to 15. Jalen Daniels is one of the best uh, players in the country, and I can't wait to watch him play. Wait for it, Texas. Texas, <laughs> speaking of the Longhorns, won. Uh, and your agenda is pushed back. Can I say week. this, Ari? Can I say no? this? Can I say this? No, you can't. Can I get 15 seconds? 15, 15 seconds, seconds on you to said they might lose to Baylor before the to game? Acknowledge yeah. that, to acknowledge that two things I think are true. Texas took care of business and looked very good tonight. Mm-hmm. And also, it's possible that Baylor might be the worst team in the Big 12. Let's move on. 38-6. to six, um, They have Kansas and Oklahoma back-to-back weeks, which... Yeah. Kansas can play, man. I got you. Got to win. No, that. it's not an easy. You got to win that stretch. game on the on the on the line of scrimmage. I I'm not sure. Oklahoma today made me a little nervous. I think Cincinnati is a lot better than if people. If Texas think they gets are, through the but, next two weeks, buddy, I'm like, I think it's a, it's over. Okay, Houston. So BYU, will they, Ari? And that's why it won't be. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> We're getting close. We're getting real freaking close, pal. And it's gonna be so sweet if I'm right. Um. <laughs> Northwestern down 31 to 10 after three quarters, won 37 to 34 in overtime for a program that had the offseason that it did. It, I mean, that it went through a uh, very resilient win. Um, I'm happy for the kids on that team. The emotion after that game was really something to see. Also, Minnesota. What the heck? Yeah, I, like that. It's it's one thing to lose, but it's another Elite. thing to lose in the manner that they did. It's just like, I mean, I, I'd have to go look. Maybe producer Cam can look it up. Is that is thirty seven points more than Northwestern had scored the rest of the season combined? Uh, 
Just vamp a little bit. Dun, 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 like dun, probably, dun, right? They didn't. No, they, they've scored. Wait. Yeah. They only scored 28 coming into the game. So, yeah. So 28 points in three games. No, that's not true. 36. They scored 38 against Utah. Like 38 against that, Utah. Yeah, so that, excuse yeah. me. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Utah's not. It's a resilient win for a team that. Hadn't had the best. I'm happy for those kids. Uh, High five for the group of five here, Dave. Boise State moved to 33 and three in conference play, uh, topping San Diego State 34 to 31 on Friday night. Um, I don't know what that means. 33 to three in conference play, but that that's uh, no, like I think it's 33 of their last 36 games. I believe. I I think Um, that's what it is. Um, But San Diego State, the the shine's coming off in a little bit, but ultimately, really good win for Boise. um, Props to them. Air Force moved to 4-0 on the year with a 45-21 win over San Jose State on Friday night. They trailed 20-10 with 30 seconds left in the first half and then proceeded to score 35 unanswered points. Marshall scored, uh, or sorry, Marshall moved to 3-0 with a win over Virginia Tech, 24-17. Liberty stays perfect on the year, handling FIU 38-6. Texas State rallies from a 17-point halftime deficit to beat Nevada. And Texas State band member threw Nevada's Trident at Wolfpack's bench, spurring a thirty. There was no Trident throw, run. supposedly. Supposedly no Trident. Supposedly there was a Trident. I didn't know Nevada had a Trident, honestly, but supposedly it was next to the bench, and people put two and two together. There's still the the, the amateur detectives are still trying to figure this out. Um, time will tell. By the way, well, the only time quick, I ever think about with a Trident throw is Anchorman. So, yeah. Quick note uh, on Marshall. You want a hot name on the coaching carousel. You want somebody who's getting it done. Yeah. Charles Huff is not that many wins away from getting some real serious yep. shine. Um, well, two years in him. a row with a power five win, too. They beat yes. Notre Dame last year. so um, And some shade after the game. Yeah, I believe he said they're a yeah. power five But team. also, too, like they that. did it without having really great teams. So like, it's like that. Yeah. That's impressive to me, too. So, yeah. Um, Okay, guys, Sunday sound off is tomorrow. I've got a very early flight out of Chicago, and I'm still in uh, South Bend, Indiana. So wish me luck. Are you driving to Chicago after this, are you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I was a little discombobulated at the beginning of the episode. I I, I had never made the I-5 drive from Eugene to Portland. Anyone who has made it's. I'm telling you, it was bumper to bumper. For 50 why are you like? Insane. Why are you in this position right now? Like the game was at noon, wasn't? Or it was two thirty your time. It was or my time. I don't, so it was like, how, time like why are you ten up. hours with the blazer on still? Uh, I just got back to the hotel. I stopped. Dude, when I, I get to a, my car, I'm taking my pants off and driving back in my boxers. And like, Ari, I, have I have dare somebody to pull me over. I have a confession, and I wanted I want you to to. Oh uh, God! Here we go, guys. Get ready for it. <laughs> I don't eat a lot of food, Ari. But I did one of the fattest things I've ever done in my life tonight. What is the fattest thing you've ever done after you to tell me this? Tonight, tonight was pretty bad. All right. I stopped it in and out between Eugene and Portland. Mm-hmm. I was starving. I had two chicken grilled chicken breasts and like a piece of bread for lunch. And then I didn't eat anything else. I was starving. I did the double double meal with a double double on the side. That's your fattest moment. It's up. It's up there. Is this a routine like, thing that people do? Tuesday for everybody else. Like, what are you talking what? about? People are not doing four patties at at In and Out. No, they're not. The fattest moment of my life was when I drank ex- excessively in Vegas and like t- took someone's leftovers off of their tray that they left in the freaking hallway <laughs> into my room and ate chicken fingers with my friend. Like, what are you talking about? That's the weakest fat moment ever. I have a buddy who threw away a cake outside of his house because he didn't want to eat it and then went out an hour later and pulled it out of the dumpster and ate it. Like, that's the weakest that's fat moment, moment right? I've ever, ever heard in my entire life. I texted it to my yourself. wife and she was downplaying it and I felt bad. I was ashamed to order it, Ari. The guy looked at me where he's like, you want a second double-double also? And I was like, yeah, yes. <laughs> I can't believe I'm being I'm being I'm being shamed for not having an impressive. I mean, we'll get we'll we'll you made it seem like you did something like repulsive or you ordered an obscene (laughs) amount of food. It really isn't that big of a deal. Like mostly everybody gets a a fast food meal with something on the side. Like I think the number one like meal in America (laughs) is like Big Mac with six piece nugget on the side. Like you're not that far off from that. 
two double doubles i felt like was 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 a lot i have not done that you and also a, you i moved away from go. dallas a while ago i don't have access to in and out i haven't had it it's beautiful uh you know i've had it probably a couple times in the last year just on the road and i missed it and i saw it this morning and i was like i gotta i gotta hit that back up on the way back it was insane a lot of people in Deion sanders jerseys and oregon jerseys a lot of a lot of fans i've been had some very bad food takes almost as bad as lsu would take <laughs> Um, I got to tell you, man, we, we, you're, you're, we're on a podcast here where we used to do eating challenges and Andy's like had like 60 Chick-fil-A nuggets. Like you've got a long way to go. If you think that's like the bottom of the barrel, it um, wasn't the bottom right. of the barrel, but I, it was to me, it felt like crossing well, a very I'm happy that you're threshold. in great shape. Um, all right. I got to hit the road here, pal, but let me just say yes, uh, our locks of the week were UNC se- uh, minus seven and a half. I think we all got that right. Didn't come back to bite us. I was surprised, um, honestly. And when we all agreed on the same lock of the week, that was a pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that was uh, bad omen, scenario. but sometimes so, you get it right. Um, also, Dan Rubenstein of the Solid Verbal is going to be joining us on Sunday sound off on Sunday when I get back to Dallas. Uh, and hopefully you'll be back in Knoxville by the time that this goes on. Boring delays. Uh, it's gonna thank be you guys all for tuning in to Until Saturday. Be sure to follow the podcast, review, listen to the podcast, uh, like, subscribe, review, share, everything on all the platforms. We appreciate your continued support. Thank you so much to those who stayed up live and, and watched us. And we will come back with a more uh, rested and efficient episode on Sunday afternoon. Until then, I don't know that was Until Saturday. Bring back the turnover channel.